Welcome to another episode of the SCU Buzz podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Lisa Oates. She's a teaching academic at the National Centre for Naturopathic Medicine here at Southern Cross University. She's a very well-known naturopath and organic food expert. Now, Lisa did her doctoral research on the health benefits of organic diets after observing in clinic as a practitioner for decades, as well as appearing as an expert guest on the project insight and over 200 radio programs so you definitely haven't been a stranger on this Lisa and today she's here to talk about food as medicine as the role of food in health. Lisa will share some insights into her research as well as some practical hints and tips for us on how to gain the most from eating a healthy diet. Welcome Lisa, thanks for coming on. Uh, Thanks Yasmin and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Now, I will be honest, I am pretty bad at eating healthy. So this is definitely going to help me out a bit because I find myself going so well in the morning, in the afternoon, and then when it gets to dinner time, I turn into like the Hulk and I'm like, yes. give me candy, <laughs> I need an ice cream. I but think a lot of people went that way with COVID lockdowns and things like that. It's just, yeah, you got to the end of the day and it was like, I'm bored. What can I do? I think I'll just eat. Yeah, literally. And, you know, we've started to go back into the office and I found myself not eating as much because I just don't have the fridge available at work to just have endless snacks. I'm like, yes. why have I lost three kilos? Oh, that's right. I've actually not been constantly in the fridge. Well, incidental exercise as well, because you're actually yeah. moving around the office and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And let's go back a bit and start with uh, those that don't understand what naturopathic medicine is. Can you explain what it's all about in layman's terms? So, yeah, that's actually a really good question. And and I think it's quite a difficult one to to answer. To, to be honest, I think I was probably in second year of my naturopathic degree before I actually really got my head around it myself. But I guess fundamentally, naturopathy is a philosophy. Mm. So certainly we use food as medicine, herbal medicine, sometimes nutritional supplements, lifestyle medicine, those sorts of things. Uh, But really the naturopathic philosophy is what, what overpins it all. So we believe that the body has an innate ability to heal itself given the correct circumstances. And so our job is to work out what the incorrect circumstances are. So what's getting in the way of the body's natural healing processes. Now, obviously, there are times where the disease process has gone too far and that's no longer possible. And that's where Western medicine, you know, really comes to the fore. But for, you know, things like chronic diseases of ageing and conditions that that are a more a functional disturbance of what's going on in the body, and those things that often Western medicine doesn't have a lot of solutions to, that's where naturopathic medicine you know, really comes into its own. We spend a lot more time with patients. We actually really get to know them more on an individual level. And so we we have a couple of kind of guiding principles. So, you know, Mm. obviously first do no harm, uh, which is is really important. We're we're also looking at really supporting the, the vitality, the body's vitality, so that 
but it can actually step in and do what it needs to do. So I guess the the underpinning thing is looking at um, those things that are getting in the way of the body's healing processes and trying to actually really reinforce those things and support them and give the body what it needs. And that's where food as medicine is so critical. I think you've nailed that in terms of what it all means. And I think there's a lot of myths floating around about naturopathic medicine. And some people just don't understand that no, it's not all hippies that do it. Like no. it's actually really scientific based as well. Like there's so much to it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's two sides. There's the sort of the people who think we're hippie flesh fish slappers you know remember that old ad with the the complimentary therapist slapping some fish together um and there are people at the other end who think that we just use herbs or supplements like a a doctor would use pharmaceutical medicine it's actually really fundamentally a lot more about the philosophy and how we interact with patients all right so looking at the big picture just how important is the food we eat to our overall health and well-being Oh, it's it's critically important. It's it's really the cornerstone of good health. I, th- I think the first thing that's important to stress is that it's food, not nutrients, that are the building blocks of nutrition. Mm-hmm. So in recent years, there's been this real focus on nutritionism, where we've looked at the function of individual nutrients. And certainly those things are important. They provide structural and functional building blocks for the body. So, you know, say, for instance, protein is really important for building muscle and calcium for building bones. And then we've got nutrients that are used by the body to produce energy or to create neurotransmitters, which are, you know, lovely feel-good chemicals. But food contains more than just those sorts of nutrients. It also contains these substances we refer to as phytonutrients. And they have a myriad of of health benefits beyond just those nutritional benefits. So, you know, some of them will be antioxidant or anti-cancer or anti-inflammatory. So Mm. it's really important when we're talking about the benefits of food that we're really talking about the benefits of food and we're not trying to break it down to those isolated nutrients. I guess that's where like a lot of fitness hacks override the basis of food rather than nutrients because, you know, there's that whole like macro, micro, and you just kind of get lost in it eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, supplements have their place, Mm. uh, but food has a synergy to it. You know, there can be tens or hundreds of thousands of different compounds in a food. Like you can never make a broccoli pill that would give you everything that broccoli would give you. (laughs) Yeah. It's the same as when I try and use microwavable veggies and then my sister's like, no, that's not the same. It's not the same. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I've been brought up a bit on um, this side because my sister actually got diagnosed with Crohn's about 10 years ago. So she's very across this and has educated my whole family about it before that. Good honour. Yeah. Chomping cakes. Like it was no tomorrow but she's like really um you know research all of this stuff and she's like it's so insightful some of the stuff you learn so what mistake do you see most commonly being made with people and their diets look I, I think that um the definition of what constitutes a healthy diet is constantly changing and it reflects an evolving understanding of the role of food and essential nutrients and how they play a role in health and disease but the biggest problem that I see is that people buy into this notion that there's a one-size-fits-all diet. Mm. Um, And nutritional needs, they they differ from 
person to person and throughout a person's lifespan. And depending on what's happening in your life, if you're uh, if you have an infection or you're undergoing stress or you're doing a lot of physical activity or even your genetics changes your nutritional requirements. And on top of that, um, there are various factors that actually occur in our food's journey from the paddock to the plate to the person that can also influence its nutritional and therapeutic value Mm -hmm. and also at the same time introduce potentially harmful substances into the food as well. So as a clinician, that's something that I'm, I'm really concerned about. I don't want to be recommending foods to someone for health that on the one hand are there to promote health but on the other are delivered with substances that could potentially compromise the person's health. I think we also need to recognise that food choices don't only affect the individual, they have Mm. ethical, social, economic and environmental effects on the wider community as well. And this is where food as medicine fits really well within naturopathic programs because it's not just about what constitutes a healthy diet, it really looks at trying to identify the individual factors that affect that person's health and looks at the whole picture. So recognising all of their unique needs and making recommendations that also align with that person's values, culture and lifestyle. So they can actually implement them. Just telling somebody, you know, ripping off a sheet and saying, hey, follow the Mediterranean diet, that, that doesn't really work for most people. So you've really got to individualise and, context- and contextualise it. Yeah, I guess that's where naturopathy comes in because, you know, you do get that individualistic approach to the person. And I remember um, my roommate went and saw a naturopath a few months ago and she just came back with all these insights about everything in her gut and health. And now she's got things in the fridge that I've never seen before, you know. Excellent. (laughs) But she's a lot happier because of it. And it's crazy how just one appointment can change. Whereas, you know, I go to the doctor for a lump on my arm and I've been there seven times about it, you know, like it's crazy to turn around. And I think it's because there's such a focus on on individualised education and helping a person to understand what's going on in their body. Mm. Uh, And therefore they're more empowered to actually make their own, you know, make better choices and seek out new things and it improves their health literacy and all of those sorts of things as well. Yeah, and I think at the moment, you know, society is intrigued about their own personal health more than ever. So I think it's only going to grow from here. As I mentioned, like, obviously my sister has Crohn's and I know that she has been in hospital more than I can count on my hands. I know you've done some research in this as well. Can you provide any insights onto the impact of diet on uh, the public health in Australia? Sure. Well, when I was a student, I remember a a very prominent nutritionist telling our class that we were all going to die of malnutrition. And it was a bit of an overstretch. But fundamentally, you know, what they were saying was that most of the chronic diseases and especially the chronic diseases of ageing have their roots in our food choices. So things like cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancers, but also things like mood disorders and cognitive function, we now understand how much of an influence our diet actually has on those sorts of things as well. So it really, when you think of the big ticket items, the things that really have um, a big impact on on the Australian health budget, uh, this is, I think, where, where we can make a big difference. Yeah. So your research into the benefits of organic diets, what were your key findings there? 
Well, I had a number of projects as part of my doctoral research, but the one, of course, that was the most sexy and the one that got all the media attention um, was where we looked at pesticide residues in the urine of people after they consumed an organic diet for seven days compared to after after consuming a conventional diet for seven days. And we found a 90% reduction in certain pesticide metabolites. And on top of that, I also did some large consumer-based surveys and looked at, you know, the demographics of organic consumers, their beliefs, the main reasons that they consumed organic foods. And what we found was that actually environmental concerns probably outweighed individual health concerns for a lot of those participants. Um, but in relation to the individual health concerns, people were much more focused on what they were trying to avoid in their diet. 90%. Wow, that's a yeah. huge statistic. That was a lot bigger than we were expecting, I think. Um, you know, I was expecting a reduction, but in seven days, we we're like, oh, wow, okay, <laughs> that's really quick. That's great. Yeah. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you have something you've researched that didn't quite get as much media attention that you'd hope that you really want to share with the world? Well, um, not necessarily that didn't get media attention that I'd hoped. I didn't actually anticipate any media attention. Um, But I guess, um, you know, some of the the consumer-based surveys were quite interesting as well. Mm. Uh, And, uh, you know, it gave me a lot better understanding of my patients as well and where they were coming from and what was important to them and their values and, you know, there was some research that we did where we sort of, you know, talked to patients about how they thought their health had improved after going onto an organic diet and also how their food choices had changed. So, you know, we found things like when people move to an organic, a largely organic diet, not 100% because that's a bit unrealistic for most people, uh, but a lot of them reduced their intake of animal products mm. and increased their intake of plant-based products. And that in itself is a great benefit. Uh, we found that there were, you know, psychological benefits for people too when they felt that they were voting with their fork, as Michael Pollan would say, that they felt that yeah. they were sort of reinforcing their own values by by that important decision they make every day about their food choices, that they were really talking to, to the world about what was important to them and their values and those sorts of things. So there were some really interesting things that came out from that point of view as well. Yeah, it's one thing to preach something, but if you're not doing it yourself, it kind of just contradicts each other. So I guess yeah. that's where that comes in. Biting with the fork, I like that. I've never heard yeah. that before. And look, I, I'm, I must admit, you know, I, I always consumed it well. From, from the time I was a student, I consumed a bit of organic food, but the more I got into my research, the more organic food I consumed. The more yeah. I, yeah, okay, yeah, like I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that chemical. I don't want that chemical. <laughs> what made you initially want to get into this field? Well, Because as a naturopath, food as medicine had always been the cornerstone of my practice Mm. uh, and I had recommended organic foods and I I hope that that was providing good value for people. But I guess I wanted to confirm that for myself, that that, um, that additional expense that people were going to, that that was going to be worth it for them. Uh, So I guess that was part of it. And, you know, I I had like in terms of recommending food as medicine, I sort of felt that I kind of had to recommend organic food because, as I said before, it sort of doesn't really make sense to me to go, here, have this therapeutic food. 
here, have it with some pesticides. So when it comes to naturopathic medicine, what are you most excited about in the research? Do you have something coming up or, you know, something that you've recently worked on that's really standing out for you in the field? Well, I haven't started any new research projects recently, but mm. I've, I've recently started with the National Centre for Naturopathic Medicine and they're doing some amazing research at the moment. Mm. So I'm sort of looking forward to, to getting my teeth stuck into that at some stage in the future. But one of the things that really excites me about the centre is how prominent and research active some of the female researchers are. Because when I was doing my PhD, that just wasn't the case. I just didn't have those role models. Uh, And there's just some, I mean, incredibly inspiring people. In terms of my own interests, I guess my clinical focus has been on food as medicine and lifestyle medicine. So I'm really interested in research at the lower end of what we naturopaths refer to as the therapeutic order. And that's um, around establishing the conditions for health and building vitality. And so that's where I think, you know, food as medicine and lifestyle medicine really come to the fore. So my guilty going to the fridge at, say, 8.30pm and snacking on an ice cream obviously isn't very good long term. I want to rack your brains with three practical tips you have to support a healthy diet. Sure. Can I have four? Yes. Okay, well, then I can use you my ten if you like. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'll have five. Okay. Um, so if I can have four to begin with, that means that I can use my favourite acronym. So I think the important thing to remember is that everybody's an individual. So what foods suit your body are not necessarily the same as foods that, that support somebody else's body. Mm. But if you can keep some basic principles in mind, and they're the slow principles, seasonal, local, organic, and whole. So slow, S-L-O-W. Slow. So, well, I'm lucky we did make it four tips or it would have just been slow. Slow, slow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, seasonal because food that's harvested in season will generally have better nutritional value. So you'll be getting a lot more value for your buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also it's usually cheaper when it's seasonal as well. Local because that's going to reduce the food miles. Um, and also there can be nutritional losses uh, during transport and storage. Yeah. Organic, obviously, um, because, you know, you don't want all the chemicals that, that could come with that food as well. And whole, I think this is a really important one because when foods are processed, um, they do lose a lot of their nutritional and therapeutic value. Mm. Uh, and, you know, Michael, Michael Pollan talks about um, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they're, they're pretty good principles. And if I could throw, I guess, a fifth thing in, it would actually be about how you eat. So it's not just what you eat, it's what you absorb that makes a difference. So things that you can do to really improve your digestion and therefore your absorption of the nutrients and phytonutrients in your food, and that's things like eating mindfully, you know, Mm. sitting and eating in a relaxed environment, chewing your food really well until it's completely pureed, and trying to avoid drinking too much with meals because that can dilute the digestive secretions and and impair absorption as well. So I would say slow, seasonal, low, local, organic and whole and mindful eating. 
I love that slow. That's awesome. And I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you have any favorite resources that people can go to to kind of get more information on where to shop for organic stuff? Like maybe you have a favorite book that stands out about that? There are some good books um, on food as medicine. Uh, Mm. So things like Food, Your Miracle Medicine by uh, Jean Carper. Um, That's a a bit of an old favourite. There's a a book called Healing with Whole Foods by Paul Pitchford, uh, which I quite like as well. So there are some good sources around. And I actually find, this is a bit of an odd one, but Healthline, the website, often actually... uh, you know, produces some some good information on different foods. And there's also a website called World's Healthiest Foods, uh, Mm. which often has some good stuff. I guess one of the things to keep in mind, though, is uh, a lot of the sources are from the Northern Hemisphere Mm. and nutrients can actually vary and also pesticides and things like that vary from region to region as well. So where possible, it's always good to try to... um, try to go to a source that's as local as possible if it's available. So if I was looking at um, nutrients in Australian foods, Mm. I would be going to Food Standards Australia New Zealand database, um, which is called the Australian Food Comprehensive Database, uh, because that would actually be food that I could purchase in Australia as opposed to something that's maybe grown in the Northern Hemisphere. One thing that comes up a lot, people often ask me about the Environmental Working Group's Dirty Dozen list in terms of the the most important organic foods to consume. Mm. And what I find is that list isn't that relevant to Australia. So if you're looking, you know, if you kind of go, I don't have a lot of extra money to spend on organic food. Uh, There are a few things that will will make the biggest difference. Mm. Then I would say in Australia, probably the pom fruit, your apples and pears and things like that, uh, berries and anything with a lot of surface area. So, you know, green leafy vegetables or things like broccoli where there's a lot of surface area for pesticides to be absorbed. So uh, naturopathic medicine is obviously only growing and it's a very exciting time for you guys in the field and I'm seeing so much more information come out and I'm loving what I'm reading. For those interested in this field, what type of study opportunities are offered through the National Centre for Naturopathic Medicine? Yeah, well, we've actually got some amazing courses coming online very soon. So Mm. we've got courses that are available for people at all stages of their careers. So, you know, whether you're a school leaver or you've been in the workforce for some time and you're looking for a bit of a career change, something that you kind of go, I want something that gives me a bit more of a sense of meaning or something like that. Or you might be a qualified naturopath or health professional already and you're just wanting to upskill. Uh, So the centre's just launched a a really groundbreaking new clinical training program, and it includes a three-year Bachelor of Health Science in Health and Lifestyle, and then that provides a direct pathway into a one-year master program, and that's where students would actually gain the clinical hours that they would need to practice as a naturopath. But for people who are already qualified naturopaths, we also have advanced naturopathic medicine courses and they're designed to, you know, help people to upskill if they want some more specialised knowledge to, you know, increase their skills and career opportunities. And then there's also opportunities opportunities for people like 
general practitioners and naturopaths and other health practitioners. So, for instance, uh, we've got a, a new Master of Lifestyle Medicine program coming online and it's the first of its kind in Australia. And that course uh, will assist practitioners to more confidently prescribe evidence-based lifestyle interventions. Um, and these are the things that are really important for the prevention of ma and management of chronic diseases. Mm. Uh, but also it focuses a lot on how to more effectively facilitate behavioural change in patients as well. So that's a big part of lifestyle medicine. And that really helps to improve uh, patient outcomes. But if you're interested in learning more, um, you can obviously go to the National Centre for Naturopathic Medicine website, and that's scu.edu.au slash ncnm. That all sounds amazing. Oh Come my and join us, Yasmin. <laughs> okay, you've convinced me. It's one of those degrees that not only you are obviously learning to help your career, but it, you're learning to change your life at the same yeah, time. Absolutely. And, and I have to say it's the best job in the world. Like I really love it because, I mean, there's a lot of science obviously, but it, there's an art to it as well because, you know, you're really dealing with people and you have to be creative in finding solutions for the individual that's sitting in front of you. Uh, so, yeah, it's not just you have this condition that that's the medicine for it. Um, it's much more interesting than that. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us today. I've really appreciated your chat and that found some insights. I'm definitely going to try not to snack on the ice cream in the fridge tonight and for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, everything in moderation, including moderation. Beautifully said. Okay. So only six ice creams a week instead of seven. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa. Really appreciate the chat today. Lovely to chat with you, Yasmin. Take care. You too. 